0: Welcome to Bucket Stop Blog, where I ask everyone the same question and record the conversation. The question is, let's talk about your perfect day, however you interpret the word perfect. Write down everything you want to do, then take a step back and split your perfect 24 hours into four buckets or priorities. Don't think about money, reality, or logic, make it as perfect as you want don't think of it as your last 24 hours either think of it as the same 24 hours you'd live again and again to experience a full life of happiness and fulfillment hey everyone welcome to the buckets project i know it's been a few weeks since i've posted an episode but i'm ready to do some catching up thank you to everyone who has supported me and this project and i look forward to the great things to come today's episode and conversation is with a good friend of mine catherine Have you ever met someone who unexpectedly didn't match the environment that you met them in? I would assume that all of you have experienced this. I would even say that I was the person you met that didn't match the environment we crossed paths in. Anyway, Catherine was one of those people for me. Her vibe was different from the majority of the people in the room. We met at my previous company and we had something in common from the first day. The feeling of not matching that company nothing against the company but we just had different ambitions that didn't align with that corporation or that career path we just followed the breadcrumbs in our individual lives and somehow ended up there together our ambitions were more creative and more independent her ambitions were to become a successful actress in theater my ambitions were to become a successful writer and coach yet there we stood at an engineering company it's funny where life takes you right That's why we clicked so soon. We shared ideas and recommendations on how to better our journeys outside of work. Now, both of us have left that corporation to pursue those ambitions we once spoke of. I hope you all listen and learn from the conversations as much as I have. I hope it inspires you to follow your ambitions wherever they may take you. You'll find that you'll have a much higher chance of being happy, even if you have no idea where you'll end up. So thanks again, and... Have a great day. All right, let's start. Go ahead.
1: Okay, so perfect day would start without having to wake up to an alarm clock. Uh-huh. I, the alarm clock is the worst sound in the world. That's basically. So without perfect day would start with just being able to wake up when my body naturally wants to wake up, which typically ends up being about 8, 8.30 in the morning. And then, let's see, it would be probably doing like kind of coffee and Maybe like a small bite to eat on the patio with um, my boyfriend and the cat and the dog running around, just kind of chilling out there enjoy kind of waking up and then hopefully being able to do some creative things throughout the day, like photography, being able to go and get lost somewhere and find something interesting to shoot or um, some theater sort of related things like rehearsal, whether it's during the day or the evening, kind of pursu- pursuing those really um, like basically passions.
0: And Okay. So I'll, I'll,
1: just kind I'll,
0: of a, yeah well i'll I'll let you go ahead and finish before I dive into those because I'm very curious on what those passions would be, even though you you okay. you mentioned them slightly, but uh, we can dive a little bit deeper deeper as soon as you finish.
1: Okay, absolutely. Um, and then probably just being able to take the day as it comes, like not being not having to be anywhere and be at anyone's will and be able to just have a day that's just fully what it's going to be. okay. And that's pretty much it let's
0: let's start from the beginning uh, whenever okay. you, you wake up uh, according to no alarm clock and that looks around 830 I'm assuming that you choose this to be part of the perfect day because you don't have that luxury now is that a true statement
1: yeah my um, typical day especially like during the week mm-hmm. um, Monday through Friday I'm up by about 5 36 a.m
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, with I think Typically, because mornings, I am not a morning person. I'm definitely much more of a um, late afternoon, evening type person as far as energy levels go. And so in order to be able to wake up, to be able to get out the door by a certain time, I have to set like six alarm clocks.
0: Wow, six alarm clocks.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm not an early morning person.
0: Yeah. Are they spread out across everywhere or is it just all, all on your phone?
1: Um, so a lot of them are on my phone. Um, boyfriend will put some on his phone and then we'll have a couple others periodically throughout the house.
0: <laughs> that's, that's cool. That's kind of funny. Uh, so like you have supporting alarm clocks basically.
1: Yeah. In case like, so, cause sometimes I don't know if this ever happens to you, but like when you listen to an alarm so many times, sometimes like you don't hear them anymore. Like when you're asleep. So they like cease to have the effectiveness of being able to wake you up.
0: I could I could see that. I mean I don't personally Yeah, so experience having that.
1: like the variety helps.
0: Yeah. And have you I'm just now I'm just following curiosities, have you ever had some sort of app or something where you need to insert some sort of answer to a math question that has to, to turn off the alarm? <laughs> you know, like
1: I tried that one briefly. Um and I really, I ended up just throwing the phone across the room. I was like, I'm done. <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm pretty sure a lot of people experience because,
1: that. Like, also, well, like, I wear like contacts and stuff. And so like first thing in the morning, like opening my eyes, like just even being able to focus on like the screen is next to impossible. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so let's start with like the root of that. Do you think that um, sleep is important in this perfect day or more, more so the choice of not having to use an alarm clock? If that makes any sense.
1: I think it's it's the freedom to not use an alarm clock because I think, like, I could end up being up late the night before going to bed early, but it's just the idea of being able to allow my body to go, okay, we have enough rest now, let's get up, rather than being forced.
0: Yes, and that is is a very consistent item or or bucket for people that I've talked to is having the, the, the power of choice. If they want to wake up at yes. 6 a.m. or if they want to wake up at 12 in the afternoon, uh, that's that's something that they want to be able to choose to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so as you wake up, you grab your cup of coffee and you have a bite to with the boyfriend, the dog, and the cat. And so I wanted to yeah. dive into that just a little bit. Um okay. How about the boyfriend? Uh, how long have you guys been together?
1: Yeah. Um, we've been together just under two and a half years. Nice. And we've known each other for more than 10 years.
0: Nice. Okay. So that explains why he needs to be in the perfect day, because he's pretty much been in everyday for the past 10 years?
1: Um, not everyday for the past 10 years, but a common staple.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, for my wife and I, we've only known each other, let's say, we've been married five years, and we've known each other about about seven, seven or eight years. No, I take so that I'm back.
1: So I'm guessing you move a lot faster than my boyfriend does.
0: No, 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 I take that back. We've known each other for 13 years. I, I don't know where I was doing the math there. We've All known right. each other for 13 years, and we have been married five years. Yeah, there we go. Sorry about that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you
1: guys meet in school or just kind of friend group?
0: We met in school, and then we. Oh, cool. And then she introduced me to her friend group. And now those that same friend group is the same friends we have, we've had since, uh, since that time. So it's been pretty that's awesome. Great. She introduced me to her world, and now we're completely encompassed in it. So how about you? Like, fantastic. How did you and your boyfriend meet?
1: So we met. It was So I was in college. He was, I think, doing community college at the time, but it was over the summer. And so when you do like theater and stuff and you're studying that, there's something called stu- summer stock, which basically means you go and you do a show. Either you travel out of town or you go do just a show that's just over the summer with a group. And we ended up meeting through, he has a friend that he knew from high school and it was like his friend group from high school getting together and putting together this theater project that was actually going to be like converting a condo into kind of like a small intimate theater space. Um, and I was, going to fr- I was going to college with one of his friends and so she was like, hey, they need more people and that's how we ended up meeting is through this strange little kind of almost like guerrilla theater
0: and the uh, the summer stock, is that specific to theater?
1: Yeah, typically, so it's just kind of a term, like, the idea is, like, you get, like, a group together, and typically, like, in, like, New York and all that stuff, it's the stuff that goes to festivals, or you tour it around throughout the summer, mm-hmm. um, and it's, like, specific, like, Summary type shows like musicals or Shakespeare or kind of like lighter things that have like easy sets Um, and you get together, you work for a few months and you do a few shows and then you all go back to where you came from.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Then you can, you, you build, I'm sure you build some sort of network through that, through that avenue of working with people and then, yeah. Okay. And so that, that, I mean, that definitely explains that other bucket of yours, that, that passion, those passion projects now. Yes. When you, did did you go specifically into theater as you were visualizing this or acting, I should say?
1: Um, So I was studying acting at that point, but when I went to college, I wasn't originally planning to study acting. I was actually pre-med with the idea of getting my uh, double degree in biology and chemistry and was all set up to do that. And then they require art credit. So I took an acting one course and it was all over.
0: Really, one 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 class yeah. changed your whole perspective on or on, on well, your passions.
1: Yeah, um, it was something that challenged me in a way that I'd never been challenged before.
0: Hmm. And you'd never been exposed to something like that beforehand.
1: Um, kind of like little like skit sort of things, but nothing really like on that level.
0: That's awesome. I mean, how how rare is that for people to find that one class that really that really just changes the trajectory of things for the rest of their, their, their life. Um, yeah,
1: I think it has to do with like finding the right thing but also having the correct instructor.
0: Oh, okay. So a lot is attri- attributed to... You know what I mean? To...
1: Like, someone who has a passion for it as well who really can like pull that passion out of you.
0: Can you elaborate on that professor? Is it a professor specifically?
1: Uh, yeah, um, he's actually retired now, but um, it was Professor Sam Havens. Um, And he taught acting one and it was probably one of the most challenging things I'd ever done was having to like get up and do monologues and scenes and have to think in kind of like a action way that leads to the emotions through the actions and the reactions. Whereas before, like a lot of the things that i had been studying was like, okay, memorize these facts and these equations and be able to recall them at will. And it was very much more of like a cerebral versus like an emotional
0: Ah, okay. So he he definitely pushed you into tapping into your emotional creative side. Yes. Was he was would you would you credit him for being very passionate about what he did, or just very good at what he did? If that makes any sense.
1: Um, I think I would probably categorize him as very good, and then um, the people who were very passionate that I learned from later on um, came later, either at school or after school.
0: What you, in your opinion, what's the difference between the two, between being passionate at something and being good at something?
1: So I think, example, like we work with people who are engineers, mm-hmm. and I think there are some people who are in there that are very passionate about what they do. They love the facts and the formulas and what they're doing, whereas there are some people who really could care less what they're doing, but they're very smart and they're very good at remembering like the formulas or what the rules are. And I think it's just, it's a matter of perspective for yourself. A lot of it is when you're passionate about something, you kind of move things out of the way to pursue that.
0: Mm, Whereas
1: if you're good at something, it's something that you can just pick up and leave at will.
0: I really like that. I've I've never heard that from anybody before, so I appreciate that. When I think of in terms of your professor, I also think it's amazing to, or I don't know if amazing is the word, but it's very intriguing to me that a person who, who you describe as good at teaching acting has inspired you or people like you to be passionate about the same discipline. And well, and
1: that's the thing is I think he was good at the acting and all that stuff, but I think he was passionate about the teaching.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. So he, yeah. I mean, he could so basically. I think
1: he was passionate about finding those people and kind of like polishing off the rough edges.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. How about uh, how about describing those those passionate people that you came across in the, in the coming future
1: yeah absolutely so there are in the houston theater community there are so many people who i've met and had the pleasure of working with um either directly or indirectly who just have such passion um two of them are um, actually two of my best friends we met doing um a shakespearean show antony and cleopatra one of them um whitney she was playing cleopatra and jenna and i we were playing the um kind of like the handmaids to cleopatra And we all really bonded because we all had this shared passion, not only for the show and for wanting the show to convey what it needed to convey to the audience, but also just the passion for working and doing the art and doing the work.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Do you think it's possible to be passionate at something and not be good at it?
1: I think it's possible to have a passion for something, yes, and not be good at it. Like, example, I'm very passionate about baking but i really suck at baking
0: <laughs> hey, at least you're honest right <laughs>
1: like yeah i mean like i can if i can like follow it in like kind of a very scientific way like okay i need this many grams of this and this and i break it down i can be okay mm-hmm. um but i t- like and i love being able to like produce things for people that i love but i am not really that good
0: That's funny. (laughs) Well, I kind of go back to that statement before where if you're passionate about something, you are likely to move. I kind of use visualizations like likely to move mountains to get to get it done or or to to have more of it. Right. So I imagine. And so I imagine you loving baking, but not necessarily being that great at it. But is there like this this dying urge to get better at it? Because that's what passion yeah, is. Yeah, it's
1: kind of like that. Yeah, it's like that practice. But then there's also like kind of like the practical or I guess because, you know, like when you're a child, like you have like this wonder and stuff. And then as you're an adult, that kind of gets tamped down. I feel like it's kind of the adult side coming out and being like, okay, but you also don't want to burn down your condo. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. That bad, huh?
1: <sighs> I mean, I have um, there was one time I attempted to make chocolate chip cookies hmm And they looked great. And I put the dough in the oven, and it somehow turned into liquid.
0: Oh, no. Oh, whoa. I've never...
1: <laughs> yeah. I still have no idea how that happened. Yeah. But they just turned into a sheet of liquid.
0: Wow. That's a first for me. Um, I've definitely lit a pan on fire, but nef- never liquefied cookies. They usually go the other way and become solid. <laughs> you spend time with your, your boyfriend and your dog and your cat, and then you dive into your passions, which it's obvious that in this case, it's baking and, and acting. Are there any, I used mm-hmm. the word shooting before in the in the original description oh, of The Perfect Day. So,
1: um, that's, I have been doing photography on and off, which for me, it's, I really enjoy street photography.
0: Street photography? Which means I
1: just want so street photography is where you just, you take your camera and you walk around hmm. and you look for things that you want to take pictures of, whether it's people or buildings or just cityscapes or anything like that. And so that's something that I really actually kind of fell into when I was traveling in Europe, just wandering about, because in Europe, there's so many beautiful buildings and you turn the corner and there's like a church. And so there's just so much to see over there. And so that's kind of where I fell into it. And so like part of the perfect day is being able to kind of do some photography and some street photography. And that kind of plays into the slightly more introverted side of me, where it's something that I can kind of go to do and recharge.
0: Interesting. Okay, so photography is a form of recharging. Because it almost
1: feels like, cause like as I look through the lens, it almost feels like I'm able to take a step back and not be a part of everything that's happening. Like mm-hmm. I, I am the observer.
0: Yeah, I love that. I've definitely never heard that before. And so, so do you think, So I've heard three different passions, right? Baking, photography, and acting. Do you think there's a common thread between those three things?
1: I think if there is a common thread, it would probably be the ability to give to others and look at the world differently. You say give to others? So like being able to give to others and then also look at the world, like being able to help change perspective on the world. Mm -hmm. So like by taking photos, you create a perspective that you can then share with other people. They can, you can share, hopefully if they're edible, the um, fruits of your labor yep. with those around you. And sometimes it's something that's simple like a cookie or something, it's something that's different that maybe they wouldn't have tasted flavor-wise before. Um, yeah. And then I think acting, it's part of the reason I really, I think acting is probably my main passion is because it allows people as an audience and also an actor as a selfish way. It allows us to feel emotions that society tells us we're not allowed to feel. So as an audience, you can vicariously watch someone feel angry and sad or elated. And all of those things throughout the course of a play, and you can feel those yourself vicariously through that person, and it's okay. And it's the place that is, it's considered okay within society to feel those things when you're not allowed to feel those on the outside.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really powerful. Again, I don't think I've ever heard that before, or at least that perspective, which is the whole point of these conversations, right? Is to introduce myself specifically to other people's perspectives on what buckets could be. Maybe someone else has the same bucket, right? It's, maybe it's not completely unheard of, <laughs> but the perspective itself is unique and, you know, and it, it, it brings value to to my life. Had I never had this conversation with you, I would have never been exposed to something like that. I really do appreciate that perspective. That's awesome. So here's where something that's unique in this conversation again is that when when most people express a passion's bucket it is really more so to exercise that creative portion of their brain and express that creative portion because they don't get the opportunity to do so in their typical day right here yeah here you express the desire to to use this creative portion of your life to affect other people, like that's rare, uh, at least to me mm-hmm. so far. So I've had what 38 conversations, and and this one is the one of the few, if not the only one, to say that I will use my particular passion projects to affect someone else's emotions in their life.
1: Yeah,
0: and that is. Well,
1: I mean, I think isn't that the point of art? The point of art and creativity is. To provoke change and to also like put a lens down to what is happening in the world in a way that people can digest in order to hopefully cause positive change
0: I would I would hope so I mean this has definitely been one of the few explanations that say something like that the other explanations I've heard is really just the expression of myself the expression of how I feel and how I think Mm -hmm. I should approach the world whereas in what you're describing is this is how most people or a lot of people in the audience feel but cannot find the liberation to express it themselves Mm -hmm. and so it's 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 two sides to to the coin um both sides are valuable for sure but i wonder like is there really a true objective for art is it your way or this way or is it really just both
1: i think it is different like i think art means different things to different people because mm-hmm. there's like the way that you can look at things like painting. You can be like, Oh, this is beautiful. But then you need to ask the painter, okay, well, why did you choose to paint this? Or why is it disturbing or anything like that? And I think it can mean different things because I think by even just wanting to give something to people, it doesn't mean that I don't want to express myself self creativity, like in a creative way. And I think it can mean it's, just like people are multifaceted, I think that creativity and art is also multifaceted
0: do you, so now that you've found it, right? we caught the bug and that you want to be uh, in this world in the perfect day, how much of this in the typical day do you get to do?
1: If it were a perfect world, um, it would be my job mm-hmm. like this would be what like doing acting and all that is what would be able to pay the bill. not like I don't really care about being famous or anything like that. But it'd be nice to be able to be like, oh, I go and I work at this theater company. Um, and this is what allows me to live my life is just by being able to use the skills that I've learned over the years in a very creative and filling way.
0: Is that, un- I wouldn't say unheard of, but is that rare to do, to be able to use that as a um, career that provides for the things that you need?
1: It's not overly rare. I think like being famous is like a drop in the bucket. Mm -hmm. Of how many people actually get there. But I think it just depends on what your definition of a good life is and whether or not, like, because, like, I have friends who they don't do anything except for art, but they're also working, like, they're doing a show over here and then a children's program that tours as well as doing, like, voiceovers. And so they're really hustling every single day. And I think it's just, and their quality of life means, like, they're fulfilled creatively and all that stuff. But they also live with like five roommates. So I think it just I think it just depends on what your perspective is for what would be a fulfilling life for you in your personal life, like at home and all of that stuff, financially and creatively. And I think it's always important to kind of balance that stuff. Like there's always there's a stereotype of the starving actor because it is a real thing.
0: Right, but so when you just like when we have described the perfect day in these these buckets, and the buckets being, uh, being able to to wake up um, willingly and not by someone else's choice, and then being able to spend time with your boyfriend and, and the family, and then diving into this actors actress world. I know you mentioned that quality of life varies. So someone who has five different roommates but still lives these buckets. Do you think that they are happy? Yes. Right. So I
1: think they're but I'm not certain that me being a starving actor just because of like things of like wanting to be able to take care of different responsibilities within my life. I don't think that that me running and doing like all of these little jobs for pennies mm-hmm. in the end. I think that would cause me more stress and make it so that I wouldn't enjoy like, I would get caught up in the worry of being able to pay bills um, with the life that I have now if I were doing that.
0: Yes, I, I see that. You wouldn't be able to fill that first bucket, which is basically the freedom of choice. So if you had to work for pennies, you wouldn't be able to have the choice to wake up whenever you wanted to because you still got to go get another yeah, penny. You wouldn't
1: have, yeah, I wouldn't have the choice to be able to say no if yeah. I needed to.
0: I get it. That's understandable. Okay. And so... We have the power of choice and we have the time with the, the, the boyfriend and the cat and the dog. And then we, be, we go into acting or, or photo, sh- fo- photo shooting, photography, <laughs> photo shooting, yeah. photography. And now the remainder of the day is really just to be able to continuously utilize that freedom of choice. Is that what I, what I hear?
1: Yeah, I think it's that freedom of choice and that freedom to make the choice to be fully present in each moment. Because I feel like a lot of the time like in a typical non-ideal day, it's kind of I'm at the beck and call of the responsibilities of like the job and waking up early and all that stuff. And so it's very easy to not be in the moment fully because it's thinking about okay, I'm doing this and then this is the next thing.
0: I'd agree with that, yeah. That's another reason why I did this whole project was because I noticed in myself that there's a lot of things that I would love to be doing. But then when you consider so many different responsibilities and realities it's hard to to continue to to daydream or even live the daydream right at least Mm -hmm. at least that was my original perspective but the more conversations I had the more feasible it becomes it's just not going to be easy you know like you said uh, eventually I'll I'll have to be working for pennies but if it takes me one step closer to happiness just like the the example you use with somebody with five roommates In my mind, I think that's worth it, at least for now. I mean, the struggles probably escalate as you continue, or maybe they don't. And there's so much influx in there that you you have to wonder, like, at what point do you continue to to press on and, and what time or at another point where you just back off and go back to making money? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. But I feel like if you don't ever take the chance to pursue what you're passionate about, you'll live your life, and then at the end, you'll be like, oh, but I didn't actually try my, like, I didn't live my passions in my life.
0: Right. Do you think you'll hit that fork?
1: Eventually, yes.
0: Absolutely. But you haven't hit it I hit,
1: like, a mini fork about four years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, four years ago, um, where I was working a dead-end job um, for the state and really was just not happy. It wasn't going anywhere. And I hit the fork of either staying in that job and just, Sucking it up and working, um, or um, which is what I ended up doing, is I quit that job and I flew over to France and Italy and I lived on farms with different families and worked for them for a summer.
0: Can you tell me a, more? Can you, yeah? Can you tell me more about that experience? I'm sure. I'm yeah, sure in that one summer you gain more experience that a lot of us won't ever experience.
1: Yeah, as and it's not like the. Technical skills that you typically would be like, oh well, I learned this at a job where I know how to do spreadsheets or whatever. It was a lot of interpersonal and soft skills that I learned that summer, and also learned not only about like how to relate to other people from different cultures, but also about myself and how I am in either uncomfortable or unknown situations. And so, basically, I ended up um, decided to leave work and fly over and I actually flew over to Ireland and did some like wandering about round for a bit and then from there flew over to France to meet up with my first farming which was an experience because I'm not sure if you've ever been to France. I have not. But it's not their train system is not overly friendly to people who don't speak French, which is fair because they their national language is French. Um but somehow ended up being able to get to the correct train stop Um, and met up with this wonderful older woman named Rosa who was originally English and she moved over there with her husband I think she'd been in France her husband had since died but she'd been in France for more than 50 or 60 years and so just being able to live with her in her house and farm there um, in the mountains was just absolutely amazing like just kind of learning how to Work with someone who is not only from a different background from living in France versus my living in the United States, but also um, different generations. And then, from there, I went down to Italy, where it was still a farm, but a vastly different experience. I was living with a young family. They had two young daughters who are just the most adorable things of all time, um speaking tiny little Italian voices. Um, And there it was a lot more physical labor because it was a larger farm. But it was like a lot of like weeding or harvesting of the fruits and vegetables, um, taking care of the, um, while I was there, they got a shipment of um, baby turkeys, which are called or pika-tikini. And um, learning that like they're much more um, meaty than the chickens are. So when you get chickens, you can go set them up, and they're good to go. They're like, all right, whatever, I'll see you tomorrow. Whereas the turkeys, you have to wait until they fall asleep at night and then sneak away and then come back early in the morning and be there when they wake up. Otherwise, they stress out.
0: (laughs) Stressed out turkeys.
1: They stress out so easily.
0: (sighs) Okay, so so there's a disconnect for me. How do you, I mean, you don't go on a job board and say, I'm going to look for farm or farming positions, right? So, so what are the breadcrumbs that uh, led you here? So I, went
1: group, I went through a group, which is called um, Woof, and it's spelled W W O O F, and it's Worldwide Organization of Organic Farmers. And so, basically, you can go by country. There's even um, Woof organizations in the United States, and so you go onto those sites, you become a member, which typically only costs like five or ten dollars, depending on the country. And it gives you like credentials and you're able to look at all of the farms and all of the people looking for help and what their farms are and all of that. And then you can um, email them. And if they're good to have you join them, they'll be like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so it's kind of like it's almost like a um, dating website for farmers and people looking to work on farms.
0: What's the like, trade-off? Kind of matching them up. What's the off?
1: So um, you get to live with them. like They feed you and house you during the time that you're there in exchange for your labor.
0: Gotcha, okay.
1: And then also just being able to create those friendships and those cultural experiences.
0: You know, in a weird way, I kind of make a connection between that and, and art, like you said before, where art is basically the expression for people to live vicariously through you, right? In the society yeah. that that we live in, it says, you know, in a weird, you know, in a very harsh way, it's like it's like it's almost not okay to be a farmer, right? Where whereas you you purposely went into this industry to get more perspective on purpose, and you that's the connection that I see between you know your time on that farm and and art. I don't know. I think it's I think it's cool. Like you, there's so much to be learned from the time you spent there that most people, especially nowadays in this new generation, where they don't know what hard work is. And you purposely went out there to work hard. What was your biggest takeaway?
1: That I am stronger emotionally and physically than I thought. Because there were definitely some days that were just like, because like being alone out there, because like you're with the families and all that stuff, but it's not having anything familiar, close to you, um, can be really hard some days. Um, And then also just some of the work, like just realizing that, yes, I'm able to do this where I'm able to go through an entire field and weed it, or pick multiple bushels of cherries and get them up to them and cleaned and ready for jamming. And I learned how to carry chickens, which was just so weird. But like, well, and I would have thought like typically you kind of go okay, you grab the chicken and you hold it by the wings so it doesn't flutter away. No, that is not apparently how you carry chickens. You carry chickens by grabbing them by their feet. And turning them upside down. <laughs>
0: and
1: so I learned that I was able to carry six chickens at once.
0: What a boss!
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I just picture you. I just picture you carrying around six chickens for for no reason. Just you just feel like it.
1: You know. <laughs> it was you know it was more, it was to get them ready for market.
0: Yeah. But, oh man.
1: Yeah, I did not try that with the turkeys because the turkeys by the time they were ready to go to market were much bigger than the chickens.
0: Okay. So y- you obviously gained a lot from this. So why stop? Or why did you stop?
1: I think it was the idea of responsibilities back home and kind of like multiple things. Like my sister had just had her first child. And so it was like wanting to be there and see family. Um, and also like knowing that if I went came back, I wouldn't have the money at the moment to be able to return. And so, I mean, and it was very tempting. There were many times where I was like, I mean, I could just not get on the plane. And just go and live on people's farms forever and just work.
0: Do you visualize that at all in the perfect day, being in that setting? Maybe not you know working as a farmer, but but in that setting where it just it seems so simple yet somewhat yeah, rewarding.
1: I think it's not necessarily like the farm or anything, but I think it's kind of like being able to like the idea of like sitting on the patio is because there are trees hmm. outside. like hmm. we have massive live oak trees out in our courtyard. And so kind of being able to just kind of be around nature and kind of just breathe and kind of almost like share an energy with it.
0: I totally see that. Yeah. But not necessarily owning your own farm of any sort. Just just mainly be able to sit on your patio and enjoy nature, whatever that nature may look like.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't think I would ever personally want to be a farmer because I feel like there are a lot of. Like I think there's like the romantic notion of owning a farm where you're like, oh, there's this this and this. But then like if you're not able to sell your crops because there's a trade war going on or the your tractor breaks down and you don't have enough money so you need to take out a loan from the bank. It's I feel like the stressors that surround it would make me lose the joy for it.
0: Right. But it, you know, I guess in this going back to this perfect day there's there's no need for money. You know, there's no need for responsibility. So if that were the case, would you really?
1: Well, and I feel like it would be more of like just wanting to kind of be in nature for part of the day um, rather than like farming or anything like that. Because I would still want to, because what I kind of like I'm an odd mix because I really love farming and like nature and all of that stuff. But I also really kind of get a high out of the buzz of a city Mm. and the energy that the city holds.
0: Okay. So, for so like
1: example, um, have you ever been to New York? Yes, I have. So, New York is constantly, it has almost this vibration to it. That's something that, like, some people find very chaotic. I find to be musical and very um, energizing.
0: I could see that. A lot of people have described New York that way. I personally, I see, I, I've seen it. I've been there six times. I've seen it, but I've never personally enjoyed it. So it's kind of like I'm trying yeah. to empathize with what you're describing, and how you personally enjoy it.
1: Think about it. so the way that I feel about like the energy that I get from New York is like if you're in your car and you're driving, and mm. your favorite song, like your pump up song, comes on the radio, how that makes you feel. Okay, that's kind of the way New York makes me feel.
0: I mean, I'll buy into that. <laughs> I won't. I won't go out and buy a plane ticket to New York right now, but I totally see that. Um, that's
1: fair. It's kind of cold there right now.
0: So it's like here's here's where I'm I'm trying to land. Uh, I see, I I see three obvious buckets. The obvious buckets were uh, having the freedom of choice of waking up whenever, and then being with your boyfriend, and then being with your passions. So then you have the option of a fourth bucket. You don't have to have a fourth bucket, but you have the option to. If you did, at first, as you were describing, farming and the simplicity of farming. It sounded like that was going to be a bucket. And then it, it kind of took a turn when you also described that you love the vibrations of an urban setting. So So how would you consult okay. how would you if you wanted to have a fourth bucket? What would that look like?
1: Um I so I think the fourth bucket, I think the commonality between like the city and the farm and all of those experiences is connection.
0: <sighs> nice. Okay.
1: Yeah. So I think the fourth bucket would be connection. Other and that bucket can kind of almost fill into all the other buckets, like through the freedom of choice, being able to connect with people around you, through artistic things, being able to collaborate with other artists for a common goal, or even like being able to connect with my boyfriend or the puppy and the kitty in the morning. So I think the fourth bucket would be, and it would be kind of almost like a larger bucket that all of the smaller buckets fit into. Yeah,
0: like an umbrella? Like
1: this. one Yeah, kind of an umbrella, like wanting to just connect.
0: And this one wouldn't be specifically to an environment. It's more so of just connecting to everything that you want to connect to, which is either people or environment or music or anything like that.
1: Yeah, okay. I think it's just I, it's I being that. able to have that connection and be fully present in all of those instances, whether it's being fully present on a farm or while you're rubbing, riding the subway in New York or sitting on the patio with my boyfriend.
0: Yeah, I totally see that. I've seen buckets described that way, maybe not using the word connection in that sense, but I've seen the words um, interaction. I've seen that before,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I have seen nature as its own bucket. And I know you're not describing nature specifically, but the way they described nature is how you're describing connections, right? Being able to being in some sort of place where you can fully appreciate everything that you see and feel in that environment, And in your case, you're either in the concrete jungle or, you know, the farmland itself. I think that's cool. Yeah. Again, perspective is so unique, depending on who you talk to.
1: Yeah, it's kind of based on who they are as a person, but also, like, their own experiences that they bring.
0: Do you think the, the boyfriend sees or has very similar buckets as you?
1: I'm not certain. I know he hates alarms in the morning, but that's partly just because he is also very much a night owl. If he could, he would sleep... Probably at least until 1 p.m. But I think for him, like, the artistic thing, I think that's probably one of the biggest buckets is being able to create something that matters. And that has a lasting, not just for entertainment, but something that can change the world. And I think another one of his buckets would be family.
0: So, yeah, I mean, it does sound similar to you, right? I mean, you have that family bucket and you have that, that using your passions for certain reasons bucket, which in his case may be a little bit more... Uh, humanitarian, thinking big picture, and mm-hmm. what's what's so interesting about it is though you guys met in this passions world, yet you still continue to do this passions world as much as you can together, right? Yes. Yeah. To to have that consistency is pretty awesome. I think like for me, and I'm I'm kind of speaking for my own experience, is I had some sort of passion that looked like that, which was dancing. And then as years go by and careers happen and, and less time becomes available, that passion dwindles. And I don't have that sense of dancing anymore. Um, but even if I was given the opportunity to do it now, I, I still feel like I don't have that flame as bright as it used to be. Whereas in your case, you know, years later, you still have that flame that still goes because you continue to fuel it.
1: Yes. And I feel like that's kind of the thing is like any skill, like you need to be able to use it if you don't like if when people say like it's as easy as getting back on the bike I don't think that's really easy because I haven't ridden a bike in years and I'm pretty sure I would suck at it now because <laughs> it's not something that I have personally worked on
0: well I need to I need to witness this if you decide to just randomly get on a bike just just so I can
1: yeah I'll, support I'll, you. I'll give you a call yeah, yeah
0: I'll, I'm, I'm there for support
1: the first kit.
0: <laughs> but I see the analogy yes I do see it Okay, um, so just to kind of wrap things up, what I normally do is a summary of what we talked about and what I interpret your buckets to be. And then you, you tell me how I did and, and the feedback on the past hour. Does that sound good? Yeah, so you described your perfect day uh, waking up at whenever you decide to wake up, which naturally becomes 8.30. And that is because you don't have a million alarm clocks set to wake you up at 4 a.m. And you, that's what your typical day looks like. So your perfect day... Would alleviate you from all of that other stuff and all that responsibility that tends to wake you up way too soon. And so now that you have the power of choice, we call that your first bucket, being able to wake up whenever you want. Then you get up and go grab a cup of coffee with your boyfriend, your dog, and your cat. And so we'll call that the loved ones bucket, right? And this is the boyfriend that you met uh, early on in uh, acting, and Coincidentally, that is both, both of your passions, which kind of segues into that third bucket of yours, which is your passion projects. And most of the time that seems to be acting, but you also have a passion for photography and you have a passion for baking, even though you may not be that great at it. It's still something that all three of these passions have in common, which is being able to, to create something for people, other people for them to live vicariously through you and express uh, what they don't normally get to do on a regular day. And so then we kind of segued into the history behind your personal life, which led you to uh, the farmlands of France and Italy. And from there, you found a better or a a different portion of your life where you start to see uh, how much you can handle as a person. And then I asked you, well, does that portion of your life that farmland section belong in your perfect day and you described that as well not necessarily on a farm but be able to sit on your porch and experience nature as it should be and it doesn't have to be nature it can be in New York which is this vibrant atmosphere that you experience as uh, as an analogy of music and so we kind of used that bucket and labeled it as connections being able to stand outside and connect with the world, whether it's the actual atmosphere, environment, or people of the world. It's just something that you thrive off doing in your perfect day. And so those are the four buckets that we kind of gathered or, or concluded to. Does that sound right? Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, how about, how do you think I did? How do you how do you feel about the past hour?
1: Um, I feel really good. I think you are an excellent active listener like you're not just you don't just listen kind of going okay I'm gonna all right I'm already thinking about what I'm gonna say next you're actually listening to what people say and I think that's really important
0: yeah I I do appreciate that I mean that's something that I've worked on uh, for sure in the past 37 conversations and uh, I do feel like I'm starting to find a better version of myself through active listening and so the more I don't know about myself and the more I get to hear what people love about themselves and what they are passionate about, the more it helps me figure out, you know, what's, which direction should I be walking in life. And so for you to recognize yeah. that, really, I really do appreciate that. And then is there any portion of the conversation where you thought, Roger, man, I should have done, Roger, you should have done this better or asked me more about this or done things differently?
1: No, I think it was really great. Like it flowed nicely. Like you knew when to ask questions and when to listen and when to kind of prod a little bit more. Mhm. I thought it went really well.
0: Well, good. I, you know, that's really good news. I, I thank you for your time and thank you for allowing me to have this conversation with you. And, um, when, when this does become some sort of podcast or something, I will definitely let you know and, and share that with you. Um, any last questions, comments?
1: Um, is someone going to interview you on your perfect day?
0: Yeah. yeah, I don't know when, um, but that is definitely on in the books. Some, some people have offered okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, some people have offered to interview me, and uh, that'll be super fun. So thank you for that suggestion. I'm glad you, you also thought of that. Who knows? maybe, maybe I'll reach oh, out to you to interview important. me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is, you're right. It is important. That's the whole reason why I started this whole thing is to find myself through other people. And then come back around, and someone asked me if I found myself. Thank you. Of course. Okay. Well, uh, Catherine, you have a good night, and I, and I'll see you. Yep. Are you going? Well. Are you going in tomorrow?
1: Yeah, I'll be there. You.
0: Yeah. Okay. We'll see each other tomorrow. We might
1: be like. Yeah, it might be just three of us.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. Well. All right. Have a good night. Thank you again.
1: I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Right, bye.